0: Hello, welcome to the West Cliff Climb. I'm Dr. Paul Looney. Our usual host, Josh Duffy, is out, and I am thrilled to be here. I work with Woodlands Church and with Hidden Men in Ministries, and today I have a guest who is near and dear to my heart, um, a young man named Danny Looney. I love that we share the same last name and the same spirit. Um, I love Danny because of his heart. Um, because of his joy and because of his ministry, Rock Bottom Hope. So welcome, Danny. Tell us a little about yourself.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for having me today, Dr. Paul. I'm excited to be here and to be able to talk and share. Um, So a little bit about me. Um, I was born in Oregon. Uh, I'm an Oregon boy, but I'm slowly turning into a Texan. So I've been in uh, Texas since the end of 2021. Me and my family, I've been married. Gosh, we just celebrated um 12 years mm. he would be very not happy if i didn't remember that 12 years we've been married <laughs> years together 13 um and uh, i actually just celebrated a birthday i just turned 39 uh, a couple of weeks ago so my this is my last year in my 30s but uh i hear that uh the 40s are the new 30s so exactly you know, and I'm now that i'm and-
0: yeah, now that I'm nearing 70, I'm thinking like 70s of the new 40s, right? <laughs> absolutely.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's whatever we want it to be, right? That's awesome. Wow. Um, well, so so I've got an incredible family and we migrated over here. That's a whole nother story. But uh, we came here and we've been getting rooted for the last couple of years. Um, I've got my three kids here at home, uh, 11, just turned 11, 6, and 4. And we are enjoying the hot Texas summer right now. And
0: I don't, I, oh, I don't know awesome. if I completely believe that you're enjoying it, but if you right. are, more power to you because it's I, I endure it.
1: <laughs> right. I'm walking in faith. So, you know, like I, every day I'm like, I, I can breathe. It's okay. The humidity is not that bad. Uh, anyway, uh, I don't know if I'm walking in faith or denial, but anyway, what about working for me? Well,
0: a certain amount of denial is actually good. Um, there's a lot of darkness in the world and a lot of trial. So a little bit of a little dose of denial is helpful. But,
1: right. Yeah. It keeps us on track, right? It keeps exactly. us pushing forward. But, We're so excited to be here. The family's doing great. You know, school's about to start in a few weeks. And um, although it seems crazy that the summer has gone by this fast, I think that, you know, the parents are ready and uh, we're ready to get back into a routine. Kids are doing great. And our family is, is loving getting rooted in the area and building a community here still uh, connected to our community in Oregon and just doing life and bringing hope to the kingdom. So beautiful. So,
0: um, so What I'd like to do is to just focus today on your story, Danny. You look like a really well put together person, like your life is, you know, a bed of roses, like you've always been, you know, flourishing and successful. Um, I know a little bit of the backstory, but I'd like to take our time today just to give you a chance to share your journey and how you found hope um, at your own moment of desperation. And then we'll have a follow-up podcast to let you share about your ministry.
1: Awesome. Yeah, well, thank you so much for letting me share my story. And I hope that, you know, anybody that listens just gets hope and understands that at the end of the day, God is going to meet us right where we're at, no matter what we're in, no matter what we've done, no matter where we've been. God is gonna meet us in that place and he's faithful to meet us right where we're at and just as faithful not to leave us there. And that's really the hope of my story. Um, you know, my, my testimony, my story uh, really begins in a, an amazing Christian home uh, raised by pa- uh, parents who were pastors, who loved the Lord and led by example. And that's why I think that, you know, my story is always one of revelation that it doesn't matter how you've grown up, or what you've been taught, uh, the enemy is always lurking at the door, right? And the flesh is always lurking at the door, the lust of the flesh, the desires of the flesh, and that desire to be somebody um, and really find your identity. So I was raised in this uh, Christian environment and I gave my heart to Jesus really early on. I remember being at the foot of my mother's bed at four years old. Crying out to Jesus, I mean, and saying a heartfelt prayer and understanding what Jesus did for me. Um, And so as time progressed, I just ran into these different circumstances that began kind of like branching off and introducing me into different things. Um, I remember being uh, eight years old and going and visiting my brother and my cousins and, you know, they would smoke cigarettes. So uh, I would sneak around and smoke cigarettes. I thought that was cool. Right. I'm looking at the cool kids and I'm thinking, okay, that looks cool. They do it. I should try it out. It was totally something that I did. That was my little secret thing. And, you know, as soon as you start getting into a place, no matter how old you are, that something becomes your little secret that begins a major foothold for the enemy to start kind of these little deceptions in your life about who you are and what you're doing. And so that was at a really young age.
0: Yeah. Well, I I love your observation, Danny, because I am completely convinced that whenever you disconnect from relationship with some secret, it does open you the enemy. I think that even in the garden of Eden, when Eve had this, sort of separate conversation with the serpent Mm -hmm. that was about God, but didn't include God. Right. um, That really opened the door for all kinds of mischief. And, and, you know, I think human nature, of course, especially if we want to be a good little boy or a good little girl, when, when we do something or something happens to us that doesn't fit that mold, it's very tempting to hide it away. And it, it, provides that, as you said, a stronghold, it provides a place within us where we feel we cannot be our authentic self with the people that love us. And so it, 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 again, it disconnects us from that, that deep connection of being seen and known because there's this little part of us that says, Oh, well, I'm, I'm not going to share that. Right.
1: Right. And I think that it, you know, along with that as parents, it just reminds me when i look at you know the things that I was hiding at such a young age, the importance of intentional conversation with our kids, and actually thinking ahead and 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 form formulating those questions and those conversations in a way that draws them out into a place of trust where they know that you can talk about anything. Because Dr. Paul, I was uh, gosh ten years old, maybe nine years old in Jackson, Mississippi, when I was just hanging out. We lived next to this big giant. Kind of forested area, and I found a porn magazine. Wow, I'm nine years old. Nine, nine years wow. old, and you know, again, this is just like these little footholds and these little secret things. And I started, you know, um looking at that and finding pleasure from that, and you know, experimenting from that. Um, at that young of an age, and didn't tell anybody. I mean, I didn't even tell my parents about this until I had gotten, you know. I was full grown adult. I mean, like 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, and it was this thing that was hidden and, and it's just these little areas that get in our life that begin warping and, and transforming the brain. We're not sharing it with anybody. Nobody's pulling us into conversation. Nobody's, you know, nobody's thinking that anything's going on. Right. Ooh, but right. Me, it's like this stuff that I'm pushing down And suppressing but at the same time experimenting with and and feeling pleasure from right so i've got these i've you know a lot of people say well you know these don't seem like that big of a deal but these are the steps and the ways in which i got to where i got later on right because i was i began just sensitizing hiding and i had this secret thing it was a double life it was a different identity even at that young of an age Um, And so as time progressed, I was homeschooled um, during, gosh, from nine years old to 13 years old, and then at 14, put into a huge public school. Wow. And I didn't know. I mean, you know, when I was homeschooled, I don't know if it was just the way or the area, the environment, but I didn't have all these amazing co-ops and opportunities to connect with people. When I was homeschooled, it was like you and your parent. Eight hours a day. That was it. I mean, that was my experience. And so I always say that I was 14 years old, and I could carry on a conversation with a 60 year old. But I didn't know how to have a conversation with another 14 year old. And you you know, when you go into a public school with no idea how to communicate, it can be brutal. It can be real brutal. And my experience was that I just began to gravitate towards the crowd that accepted me first. And unfortunately, during this time, it was uh, the, the party crowd, the drug scene, uh, you know, a lot of alcohol. And at the age of 14, I went to my first high school party. And I, at this first high school party, we were at a, a house with people much older than us. It was, a, it was adults in their, you know, late 20s um, to late 30s throwing this party with all these teens coming in. I didn't know what was happening, but Dr. Paul, before I knew it, I tried my first hard drug and the next morning I woke up naked in a bed with ten strangers.
0: Oh wow. And oh, sorry, it's just, you know, when you when you think about innocence and what happened to you with, with your cousins, people you trust, getting your cigarettes, yeah. the enemy, you know, planting that porn magazine in the woods. And then right. and then at 14, is that how old you were? At, yeah. At fourteen, completely naive about uh, so many things, drugs and sexuality, to be so horrifically introduced to that world—it just, it, it's pretty heartbreaking, and it makes you really hate evil because evil is so uh, disrespectful
1: of innocence. Right. And I realized looking back, you know, in in my teen years and even in even in, you know, the first parts of my sobriety later on, I didn't realize that, you know, that first time, that first party, when I woke up that next day naked in a bed after I had like basically been drugged because I'd never done any of these drugs. I had adults handing me these things and I just thought, oh, well, I just want to feel good. I want to I want to fit in. I want to, you know. I want to find my identity. I want to find myself. But ultimately, I mean, I was raped. Like I was used. Yeah, I was, you know, I was manipulated. And that began a cycle. I mean, I was barely 15 when I moved out of my parents' house and they moved to a different state. And that's a whole nother issue. But I ended up staying in that that crack house. And for from the ages of 15 to 18, I mean, I was in order to get the drugs, in order to feel good, in order to feel accepted, abused physically, mentally, uh, sexually, almost daily. In fact, the owner of that home is actually in federal prison for the rest of his life for um, molesting his nephew's cousin and videoing it. He was part of a huge um, child porn ring. I mean, it was crazy. So he's in prison for the rest of his life now, I found out years later. But, I mean, it was horrendous yeah. what we were experiencing.
0: We, um, you know, I, <clears throat> I think as a society, we're beginning, and as a Christian community, beginning to have our eyes open to the magnitude of the problem of sex trafficking and Absolutely. how innocent people like you can get swept along either for economic reasons or because they get involved with drugs or the wrong crowd. Um, it's it's horrifying and the enemy um is having a heyday with um with our culture because we have taken god so far out of of everything but i you know i just i think as a parent and as a grandparent now <clears throat> it strikes fear to my heart but also um as you said it, it gives me uh, a great desire to be intentional and observant and vigilant about what my kids and grandkids are exposed to. Um, so what, what happened then? How did you finally get out of that horror?
1: Yeah, it was um, at the age of 18 that there was a major physical altercation and I ended up, you know, saying, okay, I'm going to try to get my life back on track. And I moved from Washington to Oregon to be closer to my parents. And I, <laughs> I didn't really try that hard. I mean, thankfully I was out of that situation, but I think that the trauma and the hurt and the fear from what I had experienced during that time caused me to run harder into um, the the methamphetamine. And I mean, I became an intravenous user in and out of jail. I was, um, you know, using a needle four or five times a day. Um, I ended up a total gutter junkie, homeless on the streets of Portland, sleeping in truck stops, sleeping in doorways, um, sleeping in my car when I had a car, and just really desperate for change, but not knowing that I would ever be able to change. July 24, 2008, I find myself alone in a bathroom next to a toilet with a bag of dope. And I remember so vividly even now that I looked at that bag of dope and I I thought to myself, I started this whole thing so that I could have relationship. I started this whole thing so that I could find acceptance. I did this whole thing because I didn't know who I was and I I was so lost. And now here I am 10 years later and my only friend is this bag of dope and I can't have any other friends because if I have any other friends, I'm going to have to share my dope and I don't want to share my dope. I need it. I need it to feel better. I need it to make me feel some type of way. I needed it to make me feel like I can make it like I can keep going. And this was my God, this, this bag of dope. And I was willing to do whatever it took to get it, whether it was uh, sexual, whether it was um, robbing somebody, whether it was credit fraud. I mean, I was whatever it took. I didn't care. Because gel didn't scare me. I mean, whatever, I'd spend enough time in jail, you know, but I I just, I had to have my dope. And I realized as I tried to hit a vein, I couldn't even hit a vein because I was so dehydrated. I was so sucked up. And I remember standing up and looking in the mirror and for the first time, really, truly seeing myself. I had sores all over my body. My teeth were rotting out of my head. I mean, um, they were literally falling out of my mouth and i remember i was 115 pounds six foot you know and i looked at myself and i thought this is what they're going to find when they find me this is what everybody's going to remember when they when they find me this this danny and all of a sudden uh, all i can all i can call it is just the spirit of god filled that bathroom and this is why i know god will meet us anywhere even next to a toilet He filled that bathroom and I remember just an overwhelming sense in presence of God's love and and him literally saying in my heart, I am faithful to meet you right where you're at, but I'm just as faithful not to leave you here because I knew I wanted to get out of that place. I knew I wanted to change. I knew I wanted something different, but I didn't know how and I didn't think that there would be a way. I mean, I dropped out of high school, I had no education. Um, uh, you know, the life that I lived, I was ashamed of who I was. I didn't want to share any of this with anybody. I didn't want everybody to know all of my stuff. But God is so faithful and he says, "I'm going to use you not just in spite of those things, but because of those things." I'm going to redeem all of that and I'm going to use it for my glory. And so in that moment, I just felt that sense of God's love and him saying, okay, whatever it looks like, I'm going to go with you. I'm going to go with you into the fire. I'm right here and I'm going to continue to go with you. And so the next day um, I checked myself into a one-year rehab and I just began this journey of self-discovery, of um, this deep relationship with the Lord, of relying on Him in everything. And, you know, I had to learn how to face rock bottom while I was sober. Wow. I had to learn what it meant to face rock bottom without an escape, without running to the dope, without running to the sex, without feeling like I needed to give myself away. The only one I needed to give myself away to was God. Mm. And, you know, these are completely fake thanks for all of the nice words at the beginning um if i took him out it'd be a different story but these teeth are are um you know they're they're god's blessing and and he said i'm going to give you a new smile i'm going to give you a new heart i'm going to take out that heart of stone and i'm going to replace it with a heart of flesh one that beats for me Mm. and uh i checked myself into rehab and just began this journey of finding god and finding my relationship with him and you know Dr. Paul July 24th I'm going to celebrate 15 years of complete sobriety from alcohol from drugs and walking with Jesus and surrendering to him daily. Right. It is God. an adventure. Yeah. Well
0: I'm I'm so so delighted. I you know I know one of the other men that went through the program with you he's the son of some dear friends of mine but but you know what I love about what you're sharing Danny is that I think it it highlights the fact that when we talk about rock bottom, sometimes we just talk about that moment in the in the bathroom where where you realize what a broken mess you are. But what you're saying is, if I understand correctly, is that that you find it's in sobriety that you actually find your bottom, you actually find uh, yourself. And I I love the story of the prodigal son, who when no one would give him anything, he came to himself. And I think that that for me. The journey of sobriety is is partly coming to ourselves and realizing two things. One is that we're broken and helpless. Um, the twelve steps begin with that admission of powerlessness. But but the other thing about rock bottom is realizing that you can't go any further down. You can right. only get back up. And I, you know, one of the things that's so ironic about God is that that in in the Psalms He's referred to as my rock. You know, a rock is kind of like, okay, you know, a rock's a rock. You know, what can a rock? It's very be? comfortable sometimes. Yeah, a rock can smash you, but a rock can also be a platform to stand on or or something to, to sit behind from the storm. And I, I love the name of your ministry, and I love your message of finding finding yourself, finding your rock bottom, who you are at your core and who God is. Um, in that in that place where you can't turn to something to medicate you in that rock bottom place. So what a beautiful story of redemption. Um, is there anything else you want to share with our listeners about the journey and about um, what you might say to someone who's struggling or a parent who has a child who's caught up in this web of deception and abuse and drug abuse
1: and being abused? Yeah, absolutely. I think that my biggest encouragement is to never lose hope, never lose hope, and always continue putting your hope in the Lord and and surrendering it to Him. And for those that don't may not know the Lord um, or may not know who Jesus is, talk to me about it. Talk to Dr. Paul about it. We, you know, we can share our stories of hope and redemption and restoration, and and really understand that you know I was at a place where uh, I, I'd broken all my bridges. You know, the one man that I thought really believed in me, which was this, um, assemblies of God pastor of a small church and he was a young pastor. And so he's like, he didn't know any better, but just to believe in the power of God and healing me. And, and, and he would meet with me, but you know, what's so interesting about it is that years later I speak to a class, he's a professor and I I speak to his class uh, twice a year And one, one, one year I was sharing that, you know, yeah, Pastor Zach never gave up on me. And he, after, after everything, after I spoke, he said, Danny, Hey, can you stay on? He said, Hey, I just want to apologize to you because I want to let you know something. I did give up on you. Oh, I said, what? And he goes, the last time that we met, I saw demons in your eyes. And I said, Lord, there's no hope. Oh, there's no hope for this, for this guy. Wow. And it was such a like realization that wow, I mean, you know, even this person that all these years I thought thought that I would make it I had lost hope and was, I mean, that's how low I had gone. And so for the parents or the loved ones, the grandparents, um, the the the, the siblings, the the children of, of people struggling in addiction or or caught up in sex trafficking or whatever it looks like, I want to just let you know today that there is hope and don't give up on, you know, having those relationships. And yes, sure. Do they need boundaries? Absolutely. Do you have to approach them um, with care? 100%. Um, but don't give up hope that God is still working and that he's still moving and that he's wanting to do something in their lives. And, you know, I'm getting ready to speak um, the end of August at Overdose Awareness Day. Um, it's, a, it's a really big deal in Montgomery County. And, uh, you know, f- for the parents that have lost or the, or the loved ones that have lost someone to overdose or lost someone to those circumstances, I want to let you know that even after the loss, their life can bring hope to someone else, that their lives, they didn't die in vain, but their story lives on. And we need to be using those stories and sharing those stories to bring awareness and to bring hope and to help others around us. Um, I just had, I just had, um, a few weeks ago, um, somebody relapsed And after the relapse, they ended up taking their life. And, um, you know, my, my heart and my hope in his story is that it will help somebody else who is in that place right now, who is struggling, who is hurting, who is broken. And so that is my biggest thing, especially through rock bottom hope, do not lose hope. And remember, hope will find you where you least expect it, even at rock bottom. Love it. Thank you so
0: much, Danny. You know, I remember i'm remembering the words of paul in romans when he talks about abraham who against all hope mm-hmm. in hope believed yes. and that he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead but he yeah. trusted god and i think like the pro- father of the prodigal son we have to grieve that the father says this is my son who was lost and his son he was dead right. he was alive again when abraham put his son on the altar he knew that god could bring life from the dead so Just thank you so much for your story, for your message of hope, um, for those who are struggling and for family members of those who struggle with the kinds of things that that swept you in that current. Um, Thank you so much. I'd love to um, to pray for you and for our listeners. And um, I look forward to part two. I want to hear more about what God is doing through Rock Bottom Hope. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for my brother, Danny. Um, it grieves me to hear what he has endured um, because the enemy who comes to steal, kill, and destroy got such a foothold in his life. But God, thank you that that four-year-old was at the foot of his mom's bed calling out to you and that you never lost sight of him. But in that in In that bathroom, you were there. Your spirit filled the place and gave him a recognition of where he was and where he could be. So, God, thank you for that. God, thank you that you are our hope, that you are our redemption, and that through Jesus we have life with you. Thank you for my brother. Bless him and his family. Bless our listeners as they take in this message of hope. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks
1: again, Danny. Any last words? Um, Just go out and spread hope. You know, hope for Jesus. Perfect. Great. Bye-bye. Bye.